Hello everyone, thank you for listening to today's message. My name is Pastor Dwayne Life, lead pastor at the Life Point Community Church. What you're going to hear today is a message from one of our recent services. And we believe that by listening to today's message, you're going to be blessed and encouraged from the Word of God. You're going to be strengthened, and we believe that God's going to speak to you in a very fresh, new, and real way through today's message. So thanks again for listening. Be blessed and encouraged, and we love you. God bless. We're in week two of a series we're calling Culture Shock, and it's loosely based on a book by Chip Ingram of the same name. So if you want to uh, pick that up, it'll, it'll go along with some of the things that we're saying. Uh, last week, we talked about the importance of truth. How many know we live in a culture that doesn't celebrate truth? Isn't that true? Uh, that was funny. We live in a culture that doesn't celebrate truth. Um, one of the things we said last week was um, over the last generation or so in our culture, what used to be clear has become quite clouded. Uh, what used to be wrong is now right. How does that work? I'm just curious. How does that happen? Um, we also said that as followers of Christ, that we believe the truth of God's word is absolute. How many know that the word of God never changes? The word of God is true. And if we were putting an exclamation point behind it, that would be okay. It's true. It, it always will be, always has been, always and forever shall be true. And it's absolute. Which brings us to week two. Um, I'm going to ask for a little grace today. Uh, I, I'm just so uncomfortable right now. Uh, are y'all okay with me being a little transparent? You always am. Or you, you wouldn't be here if you weren't because I, I'm very uncomfortable talking about what we're going to talk about today. In fact, if you were here with me Friday, I'm here in this building all by myself, and I'm trying desperately to talk God out of this message. How many of you ever tried to talk God out of something? How'd that work for you? Just curious. Not so, not so well. Um, dads, do you remember how you felt when you had the talk with your kids? Remember how that is? Moms? Um, it was hilarious at my house, I'm just going to tell you, because I'm a little bit of a goof, and both of my kids are goofy. But good goofy. I'm not, I'm not being critical. They're just... They, take, they get their genetics from somewhere. Um, with Matt, I, I, I took him out to eat, and we went off to a park and sat down, and I gave him the whole story. And um, you heard the phrase, deer in headlights? That's, that's a pretty accurate description. Um, with Mikey, <laughs> oh, I love my kids. With Mikey, I said, Mikey, where are you? I'm going to take you out to eat lunch. Me and you got to have a little talk. And he's like, oh, what I do this time? I'm like, I'll take you anywhere you want to eat lunch. And he chose Captain D's. So we went to Captain D's for lunch. And uh, I went and took him to a, a park there in Statesboro. We were in Statesboro when we had this particular chat. And we sat down on a park bench. And for a few minutes, I just sat there and just, just told him the whole story. And here, those of you that know Mikey, listen to this. He was speechless. That's a big deal. <laughs> and so after it's all over with, I, I just looked at him and I said, uh, 
Mikey, you, you, got any, you got any questions for your dad? He said, yeah. I said, well, I was a little nervous. I said, okay, well, well, ask me anything you want. He goes, why would anybody want to do that? And I was like, I don't know, son. No idea. You know, some people just want kids so bad they force themselves, so... I told Donna this morning that, that part of the problem with having a chat about sexuality and what the Bible says about it is that you have to use the word sex. And that makes me very uncomfortable standing here and using that word. So we'll probably use, we'll, we'll call it the hibbity-dibbity. We'll do something, <laughs> well, I just don't want to use that word. It's very uncomfortable there. Wow. But then I had to ask myself this question, and here's how the Holy Spirit dealt with my heart. Why would you not want to talk about something in your church that I talked about so frequently in my word? That was a little convicting. So today we're going to talk about some things that are uncomfortable to say. And they might be uncomfortable to listen to, but I need you to hear my heart today. Um, God's got a plan for all of our lives. And if we'll listen to his word and we'll listen to his spirit, he'll speak clearly to our hearts. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Because of all he has done for you, let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. Listen, by changing the way you think. Then you'll learn how to know God's will, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Father, we love you. And over the next few moments, just show us from your word your great plan. God, help us to take something Help us to reclaim something that the enemy has stolen and made it dirty and perverted and ugly. But God, you created something to be beautiful and good and to bring us joy and pleasure into our lives. Help us to reclaim that today. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, Those of you that are here that are here often are probably looking for the fill in the blanks today. And I know I've freaked some of you out by not having those. This is not a fill-in-the-blank service, sermon. So just write what you will. What a difference 50 years makes. Um, I don't like bragging about this, but in 12 months, I'll be 50. That's blowing me away. 50 years ago, listen... 5% of girls, 10% of boys in high school was sexually active. Five decades later, 70% of girls, 80% of boys are sexually active during high school. Today, 50% of women under 30 will live, will cohabitate with a man before they're married. 50%, half. In the 50s, divorce rates were in the single digits. Today, They hover around 50%. 
You really want to ask me why we need to talk about this in church? (laughs) Throw this at you. In 1996, the divorce rates in evangelical churches were 4% higher than the national average. So, here's our culture. More pornography is consumed and created in the United States than anywhere else in the world combined. 150 a day. New pornographic movies are created every day in our nation. So what happened? What happened? What happened over the last 50 years? Now, don't get me wrong. We've always, I mean, sexual sin's been around for a very, very, very long time. Open your Bibles. Read ancient history. It's been around for a long time. But something's happened in our culture in this last generation. So what happened? Remember the shift we talked about last week? From absolute truth to relative truth? Going from there is a standard to, well, if it feels okay, you should probably be okay doing it. That's the culture shift that we've experienced. In fact, listen, do you know that Almost every state in our union at one point had a law prohibiting sexual activity outside of the marriage bond. Be a lot of people in jail. Maybe the church needs to bear some of that responsibility. Maybe we have inaccurately or just decided we didn't want to deal with it. And so, guess what? We had an entire generation that was going through this cultural shift without the arm of the church helping guide them. And so here we are. Here we are in the middle of a pornography-ridden, sex sales, don't tell me how to live my life culture. Here we are. And... Am I right? Is it everywhere? Can you not? You watch broadcast television and even the commercials have become pornographic. To sell hamburgers. Seriously. Hey, I need to tell the Hardy's people, I'll eat the hamburger without all that. You don't have to twist my arm to eat the Baconator. It's all good. It's everywhere. I'll tell you this story. This is a little embarrassing. And I've told some of you this story privately. But <laughs> we were, uh, when we were still in Statesboro, we um, decided we were going to Orlando for our vacation. And during this trip, we wanted to go to the Kennedy Space Center. And so we wanted to purchase our tickets ahead of time. So I went to kennedyspacecenter.com and bought our and bought our Kennedy Space Center tickets. Well, we wanted to we wanted to go to SeaWorld while we were there. So, I went to seaworld.com. So, here we are, we're planning our vacation. Donna's milling around. The boys are watching TV. Our computer was right in the middle of our living room. Thank God. We uh, also wanted to go to a water park while we were there. The Water park in Orlando is called 
wet and wild. So Dwayne, because he is a stupid, stupid man, typed in wetandwild.com. It wasn't a water park. And I'm screaming, Donna! Cover their eyes! Listen, it's everywhere. You don't have to try. It's there. So what do we do? What's, what are we supposed to do? What if the culture looked at the church for the answer? What, what would they find? You may tell you what they would find if culture looked at the church for answers. They would find that just as many Christian marriages end in divorce. They would find that just as many Christian couples are dealing with extramarital affairs. They would find that just as many Christian men are consuming pornography. Just as many Christian teenagers are having sex and getting pregnant. I'm going to give you a quote from the book, Culture Shot by Chip Ingram. When Christians are obviously exhibiting the same behaviors the world is promoting, the invitation to join us at church or to consider believing in Jesus falls on deaf ears. So just as there's been a shift in our culture from chastity and faithfulness in marriage there must be a shift in our church in the church back to some of those standards if you're taking notes write this down god has a plan how many believe that see here's here's what we do we we tend to compartmentalize our lives our work life and maybe this is just a men thing. I don't know. You, you, I only have one perspective. You know, I'm not, never mind. I almost went to down a bad path. <laughs> Reel that back in. I only have one perspective. Um, and, and I know how I am. We tend to compartmentalize our lives. We compartmentalize our work life. And our social life has a compartment. Our church life has a, has a compartment. And our family life has a compartment. I and mean, how many know that God's plan doesn't have compartments? That his plan is for your whole life. And so we like to think, we, when, we, when we talk about uh, sexuality, we want to we separate that from God because we think, well, God must be, is obviously anti-sex because, you know, that's what we've heard all our life. Is, and and I, can I tell you, um, I read the first part of Genesis and he created the whole thing. Hey, listen to me, the devil's never created anything. He can, all he can do is twist and pervert what God has created. And God created something, listen to me, and it was good. It's okay to smile when I say that. It's a good thing. Jesus talked about it. In Mark chapter 10, verses 6 through 9, but at... The beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Can I stop there and just throw something at you? Because people have asked me about this this week. Because, you know, we, I, I crossed the line and threw the whole Bruce Jenner thing up on the, uh, on, the, on the screen. God created them male and female, period. Listen to me. And, and it don't matter how, much, how many body parts you add or take away, 
It doesn't ma- matter how much makeup uh, you put on and how, many, how pretty a dress is. You know, they take your DNA, and guess what? There's going to be a Y chromosome there. Ain't nothing you can do about that. God created the male and female. How many know God doesn't make mistakes? Well, that was insensitive, wasn't it? For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united unto his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is God's plan. So they're no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. What God has joined together, let no one separate. See, see, God doesn't do that. God doesn't compartmentalize your life. It, that makes you nervous. Any, any Seinfeld fans? In the, it's okay to, to admit that. It's okay if you're a Seinfeld. Yeah, me, me too. Remember the remember part where, where George Costanza was, was, con, was conflicted because his girlfriend was starting to hang out with some of his regular friends. And he's like, worlds are colliding. See, that's what we want to do. We want to keep this stuff separate. And what God says is, I've got a plan for all of your life. And that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about God's plan, God's standard, and how we respond when we fall short of it. Here's what you need to know. It's a good and loving plan. (laughs) There's been some recent secular studies in the area of sexual fulfillment. And here's what they found out. This is brilliant. That these scientists have figured this out. That an orthodox view of romance... This is a quote, by the way, from the study. An orthodox view of romance, courtship, and sexuality may well be the one way to sexual satisfaction. In other words, the true path to sexual fulfillment is to not be promiscuous before marriage, get married... And stay married to the same person for life. Aren't these men brilliant? How many know that that's been the plan all along? That's been the plan all along. God created those desires. He created that longing for intimacy. It was His idea all along. But here's what we've done. I did a little little something this morning... And, and I think it made some people curious, but they didn't say anything to me. They were having their worship time, worship rehearsal, and all I did was I walked here. I didn't say a word to anybody. I put these two candles on the table, and I lit them and walked away. And nobody said anything. Rusty was like, you, Mark's going to teach Sunday school. You mean, like, you know, do whatever. It's fine. He's just holding them. (laughs) See, isn't this fire burning in this candle? Isn't it a beautiful thing? Isn't it a relaxing thing? You know, there's something even intimate about it, isn't there? Nobody's ever had a romantic, fluorescent-like dinner. (laughs) Right? It's, It's there because... Yeah. But what if, just saying, what if I'd have walked in and taken a 
half a gallon of gas and throw it on the carpet and threw a match on it. You think I'd have got the same reaction? See, God's plan for sex is kind of like that. It's kind of like a fire in your fireplace is a good thing and it brings warmth and it brings intimacy and it's relaxing and it's good. But how many know a fire outside that fireplace is dangerous and destructive and sometimes deadly? Remember the snowstorm we had a few years ago on a Sunday afternoon? Y'all remember that? We were leaving. Some of y'all were here. We left Covenant and... and, uh, Started to snow, and everybody's like, oh, it's no big deal. Seven and a half inches later, we had some family, some friends visiting with us. And so power went out. They couldn't leave. So we're stuck. There's like 11 of us sleeping in the living room. And we, all the heat we had was our little fireplace. And it was wonderful and beautiful until in the middle of the night, one of the sparks jumped out of the fireplace and landed on the carpet. Everybody woke up then. In the fireplace, it's a beautiful and warm and life-giving thing. And it brings joy and pleasure. Outside of the fireplace, it was destructive and deadly. And there's still a hole in my carpet from it. God's plan is the fireplace. And inside that fireplace is joy and intimacy, and goodness. And outside the fireplace is destruction. I'm, I'm going to read you a passage of Scripture. Um, it's not going to... It's maybe up on the screen. I don't remember if I gave him this one or not. Proverbs chapter 5. And let me set this up for you a little bit. Solomon's dealing with teaching how to handle and what most of uh, translations say, an adulterous woman. And in my translation says an immoral woman. Now listen, let me tell you, there's a reason that they dealt with just men in that culture. Uh, you know, women were forbidden to... To, to think outside their marriage at all. I mean, it would, you, you know, a man would get a pat on the back for going outside the marriage. A woman gets stoned. You with me? It's a completely different culture. So just because we're talking to men about women doesn't mean that the same truths don't apply to women about men. Did I explain that even close to close? Okay. He said, my son, pay attention to my wisdom. This is Proverbs chapter 5, first 20 verses. My son, pay attention to my wisdom, lift and Listen carefully to my wise counsel. Then you will show discernment and your lips will express what you've learned. For the lips of an immoral woman. Here's what I want you to do. When, when we picture this immoral, adulterous woman in Scripture. See, in, in your mind and in, in, in my mind, here's what, what, what I want you to replace that with. Maybe it's the woman in your office that you're giving too much attention to. Maybe it's that, that guy that you knew in high school that found you on Facebook and you've been having these conversations with. Maybe it's that image on the other side of the computer screen. 
Because all these truths hold true for all those circumstances. For the lips of an immoral woman are as sweet as honey, and her mouth is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as poison, as dangerous as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave, for she cares nothing about the path to life. How many understand that God has a plan for you, but you also have an enemy that would love to steal and kill and destroy that which God has made for good? You have an enemy that would love to steal and kill and destroy. She staggers down a crooked trail and doesn't realize it. So now, my sons, listen to me. Never stray from what I'm about to say. Do you hear the urgency in his voice? Stay away from her. Don't go near the door of her house. If you do, you will lose honor and will lose to merciless people all you have achieved. Strangers will consume your wealth and someone else will enjoy the fruit of your labor. When I read that, can I tell you a story about what came to my mind? I used to work with a guy, we'll call him Bobby. Bobby. Worked with this guy named Bobby. Bobby was a cool guy. Everybody loved him, had a charismatic personality, but Bobby had a problem. Bobby liked to go to adult entertainment facilities. Is that descriptive enough? In fact, Bobby liked to go to the club so much, he had a second job to fund his club habit. So he would work all these extra hours just to have money to spend on the club. So one day he came up to me and goes, man, you wouldn't ever believe what happened to me last night. I said, what, Bobby? He goes, oh, it was, it was cool. I was at the club. And this girl that I had been hanging out with, and I wanted to say, you ain't been hanging out with. She's been sitting near you because you've given her cash. She, uh, she took me out to her brand new car and showed it to me out in the parking lot. And we hung out in her car for a while. And I was like, you know why she did that, right? And she, he said, because she liked me. I went, no, she doesn't. You're making her payments. Strangers will consume your wealth. Someone else will enjoy the fruit of your labor. Are you with me? In the end, you'll groan in anguish when disease consumes your body. Not even going there. You'll say, how I hated discipline. If only I had not ignored all the warnings Oh, why didn't I listen to my teachers? Why didn't I pay attention to my instructors? I have come to the brink of utter ruin, and now I must face public disgrace. And now Solomon gives wisdom, and it's brilliant wisdom. I want you to pay, and, and, and if it's okay, I'm going to talk to men for just a minute. He said, drink water from your own well. Share your love with only with your wife. Oh, what wisdom is there. Can I tell you? I'm just going to talk. Can I do that? There's a lot of wells out there. There's a lot of wells competing for your attention. And don't you think there aren't because there are. There's a lot of wells that will draw you. And, and here's what you may say. 
Well, that well looks better than the well at home. Can I tell you how to fix that? Can I tell you how to fix that? I heard Jensen Franklin tell this story in the sermon several years ago. He was talking about how he had gone into a Home Depot. And this beautiful woman walked into the Home Depot. And he, like many men, glanced her direction. He said, but where it became a problem was when I found myself trying to figure out which aisle she was on. Here's here's how to fix that. Here's how to fix the idea that, well, this well looks so much better than the well I got at home. See, God wired us in a specific way. A healthy adult male has a sexual thought every seven minutes. Well, that's all he wants to talk about. Uh, hello? I'll tell you how to, if you'll channel those thoughts and those, and you'll reserve what comes in your eyes in one direction. Can I tell you? If, if you'll channel those thoughts Thoughts and those attractions in one direction. You'll channel them toward your wife. Can I tell you what will happen? Man, she'll, she'll come out of the bathroom with that putty on her face and you'll think, man, that looks good. <laughs> See, listen to me. When, when you're having that conversation with that secretary in your office, you dr- you're drinking from another well. When, when you're letting your eyes fall repeatedly where they don't need to fall, you're drinking from another well. When you're clicking that mouse over and over again, you're drinking from another well. And here's what will happen. It'll make the well God gave you seem bitter. Focus that. Drink from your well. Man, it got quiet in here. Verse 16, why spill the water of your springs in the streets, having sex with just anyone? Well, Dwayne, I wouldn't do that. Let me tell you what Jesus said, by the way. Matthew chapter 5, you've heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in in his heart. Let's finish reading. You should reserve it for yourselves and never share it with strangers. Let your wife... Be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. She is a loving deer, a graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy you always. May you always be captivated by her love. Can I tell you, you focus that, those thoughts on her and her alone. Can I tell you? It'll change the way you look at her. It'll change the way you treat her. It'll change the way you respond to her. And watch this. It'll change the way she responds to you. 
I mean, God's got a standard. I want you to listen to me. God's standards are a guardrail. You might want to write this down. God's standards are a guardrail, not a fence. God's not keeping the good stuff over on the other side of the fence and preventing you from getting there. God's telling you that the good stuff is here and I'm keeping you from destroying yourself. God's standards are a guardrail. Man, we live in a culture that is doing all it can to draw you on the other side of that guardrail. And here's the problem, is we live in a culture that doesn't only encourage it, but, but celebrates it. And I'm telling you that God's got a greater plan. God's not some cosmic killjoy that doesn't want you to experience life to its fullest. It doesn't want you to to experience joy and pleasure. It's exactly the opposite. God wants you to have His very best. He said, I've got a plan for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. God wants you to enjoy His best, not settle for second best. And here's the deal. It's more spiritual than you think. Throughout God's word, the relationship we have with God is compared over and over again with the relationship between a husband and a wife. Habitual sexual sin will rob you of your joy and strength and power in Christ. It'll rob you of your intimate relationship with Christ. Here's what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 5. But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any other kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. So I'm going to ask you a question and I'm going to give you the good news. So if you're here and you have, if you've crossed, you've crossed the guardrail and you've stepped outside of God's standard, just going to ask you, how'd that work out for you? I'll be Dr. Phil. How's that working for you? Maybe you've got this secret thing that you've hidden from your wife. And you think nobody knows because it's just me and this computer. Nobody knows. How, how's keeping that secret day in and day out working out for you? How is hiding your computer from her? How's that working out for you? How is panicking every time you see her walk towards her? How does that work for you? Not so good. How does hiding your phone Worried that he's going to find that text message. It's innocent. It's just, we're just talking. And why are you hiding it? How's that working out for you? 
How, do, how does crossing the guardrail work for you? Here's the answer. It doesn't. It, we can never knowingly violate God's standard and it be beneficial to us as believers. Never. Period. Well, Dwayne, what you've outlined is an impossible standard. <laughs> Maybe. That's, that's exactly why Jesus came. Let me tell you, if you're here and you say, Dwayne, I'm, I'm not just crossed the guardrail. I'm living on the other side of the guardrail. Listen, Jesus came to buy you redemption and grace and show you grace and shower on you mercy and redeem you and rescue you from your own decisions. I love this passage of Scripture because here's the good news. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says, If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. And I'm here to tell you it doesn't matter how far across that guardrail you've crossed. That there's a Jesus who is lovingly showing you that he's got a better plan and, and a plan that would blow your mind and a plan to prosper you, not to harm you. And it's not too late. And I, I told them in the prayer room this morning, I, I, I followed this evangelist guy on Facebook until this afternoon when I unfriend him. I'm sorry, that was bitter, wasn't it? That seemed bitter. It felt bitter, but a little good. He went on this rant. And, and listen to me. I, I, I stand by what I said. God wants you on this side of the guardrail. Paul said... To be thankful because when you sin, you have an advocate with the Father. His name is Jesus Christ. And here's what, here's, here's what this rant went on about. He's like, I'm not going to be one of these preachers that all they talk about is greasy grace. Hmm. Hey, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the grace of God. I'm thankful that for the times I've crossed that guardrail, Jesus has lovingly and sometimes sternly showered His grace and mercy and drawn me back. Listen, I don't care what you've done, where you've been, there's redemption and hope and grace and God has a plan. And here's what the devil will lie to you and tell you. That because you cross the guardrail, that God can't use you. God can't help you. God can't, doesn't have a plan for you. You've blown it. You've gone too far. That is a lie. The Bible says that when the enemy speaks, he's, he lies and it's his native language. I've gone too far. God can't heal my marriage. I've gone too far. God can't show me grace and mercy. Can I tell you, the psalmist said, that his arm isn't short. That he can't reach me in my place of iniquity. 
I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. There is grace and mercy found in Christ. And His plan is to prosper you, not to harm you. He's, he's offering you today redemption and rescue. So here's, here's who needs to respond to this prayer. And Don's going to come and play. And we're going to do this a little differently because I know because of the nature of what we've been talking about today, if I asked you to, to walk down here and kneel and pray, that, that might, it might be a little embarrassing. And, and you know, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't do that. And here's what I need you to know. That God's power and His Spirit aren't confined to this altar area. So we're going to pray together. And I have a feeling that the reason I lost that argument with God on Friday about not wanting to share this message is because God already knew He was going to be in the building. So if you're here, listen, and you want God's best, I'm going to ask you to call on Him. You're here and you need forgiveness for crossing that guardrail. Hey, it's available. And listen, you need to hear that. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if anyone's in Christ, the old is gone. Everything is brand new. So with your head bowed and your eyes closed, If, if today has, I don't know, stirred your heart. And there's some things that you want to make right with God. Then I, I'm going to invite you to do just that. I'm going to pray. and We're going to pray together. Father, in Jesus' name. God, we live in a society that would beckon us outside of your standards. It's everywhere. Temptation is everywhere. For young and old, male, female, it's there. So God, I I remember the scripture we read last week where you you prayed for us. Jesus prayed that You wouldn't take us out of the world, but you sent us into the world. But you prayed that God would protect us. And that's that's what I pray. That in the midst of this pornography, sex sales generation, that you would protect us and help us to live a life that's pleasing for you. God, most of all, thank you that when we sin, Thank you that when we step outside of your standards, when we cross the guardrail, there's forgiveness and grace and mercy. And there's still a plan. And it's a good plan. And it's a loving plan. We give you praise today, Jesus. So for the one that's here, or the three, or five, or how many, that would say, 
God, I need you to wash me with your forgiveness and your mercy. And I need you to remind me that you've got a plan for my life. And I need you to help me stay on your side of the guardrail. God, there's married people here who've been tempted to cross the guardrail. God, I'm asking you, God, show today what a great plan you have for them and for their marriage. God, there's single people here today that are struggling with the temptations that are around us. God, I pray that you would cover them with your grace and your mercy and that the Holy Spirit would live in their heart and would draw them on the right side of the guardrail. Not because you're some cosmic killjoy, but because you've got a great plan. And, and this, the plan that you have far exceeds anything the devil can offer. God, there are men in this room that are struggling with they're looking out on the computer, on their phones. God, I believe that you got a, that, that you are powerful enough to break every chain. Draw that attention back where it belongs to their wife. Draw that attention back to where it belongs to you. God, most of all, thank you for the promise. <laughs> thank you for the promise that for every sin there's forgiveness and grace and mercy now we give you praise forgive us of our sins God help us to live a life that's pleasing to you in Jesus name Amen Hey before I let you go just let me share, just, just, just very quickly. If you're here and you're struggling with something in this area, here's, here's what I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beg you to do. Don't, don't walk down this path by yourself. Find somebody you trust, somebody that knows God. And share. Find somebody that will point you to the right side of the rail. Maybe that's a pastor. Maybe that's a parent. I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I'm just telling you not to fight this battle by yourself. Because what the enemy will do is he will want to isolate you and think, well, I'm, I'm the only guy in the world that's dealing with this. I'm the only woman in the world that, no, you're not. No, you're not. Not even close. Find somebody you trust share. Talk with them. God bless you. Have a great, great, great afternoon. We love you.